This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode number 30 of Real Blend, a podcast yeah. that is actually planning a field trip to the last remaining Blockbuster video store. Possibly, if Kevin can't us all to book our flights. Um, my name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend, and one of three co-hosts of Real Blend. So let's get right to my colleagues post-haste, because we have a lot of show to get to today, starting with Kevin McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Kevin, how are you? Uh, I'm Back. doing great. Back I'm with not, us after missing last week's. I missed you guys very much, but uh, thank you to Gabe for uh, thinking of including me in the podcast. I missed you guys in Paris, but I just saw Mission Impossible, so now I'm all caught up with you guys. So. Well, and we are going to talk about that shortly, but first we have to introduce Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Jake, hello. Hello. How are you, handsome? Wonderful. I love your hat. It looks really nice. Thanks. It's blue. Yes, it is. Real Blend is a live podcast that airs on Cinema Blend's Facebook page. Um, and there's a fair number of you guys that watch the show as it happens. So if you're doing that right now, hello. Um, be sure to leave us comments and questions on the Facebook feed. And Gabe, producer Gabe, will funnel them to us. But the rest of you guys download the show later on. And for that, of course, we are eternally thankful. And we've made a deal with you guys that if you write us an iTunes review, we are going to read it on the show. And this week... We actually have two new ones. Two. And two new ones from people who... So listen, the first iTunes review comes from someone who actually named themselves a.real.fan, which cool. I think is really cool. Yeah, Very I like cool. that a lot. And they spelled real right. And they say, hold on, hold on. Um, can't get enough. They say, it makes my day... This is so awesome. It makes my day every time I come across a new podcast upload of Real Blend. I love listening to these three gentlemen discuss movies in such a casual yet articulate way. Every time I listen, I can't wait to hear their reviews and in-depth discussion on the weekly movie topic and movie news. It's truly a highlight of my week to listen to these guys be as passionate about movies as I am. Keep it up. Um, Jake, really that nice. Isn't that That's really, awesome. and that reminds yeah. me of uh, something one of your friends said too, who they said, like they text you and use our podcast to like walk to work, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. A, a buddy of mine, uh, Chase, uh, Kevin knows him. He lives in New York. He works for Nickelodeon. I, I've known him for, for many, 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 many years. We went to high school together. Yeah. He just started listening to us on the way to work. And it's funny because, you know, he might be one or two episodes behind. So randomly he'll either text me and be like, Hey, remember that thing you said about this? You're an idiot. Or like, <laughs> Hey, remember the, like, Oh, I can't believe Sean believes this. Or I can't believe Kevin believes, it. you know? So yeah, he's uh, so as he's walking into times square, we're, we're being listened to. Chase That's- is a really good guy. And he, um, he shows our passion. Yeah. Chase and I bonded a lot over film scores. He's a, b- a big into film scores. And he, um, I mean, I met him through Jake, obviously Jake's known him for a long time, but, uh, like we, we we have a little chain that we've texted on before in the past and like he's big in the movies so anytime I'm in New York um I you know with Jake specifically I try we try and see him so well our second review comes from someone named C Freezy number 11 that's cool. me that's Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin. All of these are just actually Kevin. <laughs> Tell me. Well, this one might be because it ends in a certain way. Um, <laughs> oh, it says God. new favorite podcast. I've followed Kevin for a few years and I love his Twitter. So if this is Kevin following Kevin, that would be really strange. Yeah. Um, and then I started, I started listening to the pod, and I've listened to three quarters of them this week. 
Uh, love how passionate oh, they are about this stuff. And then he ends with, or she, see Freezy 11 ends with Dunkirk, which I thought was yes. tremendous. Yes. Yes. <laughs> which Thank is the only way to end anything. What's great is, and I don't want to sit here, you know, continuously patting ourselves on the back, but like what I try to stress to people is what we're doing is essentially what the three of us have always done, especially in a, in a text message thread or if we're ever lucky enough to be all be on the same junket together, is just shoot the bull about movies. Like we're, we're right. not really going out of our way to do anything different other than setting a specific time in which we're all getting together to do it. But other than right. that, we're not doing anything, I don't want to say not special, but like this is what we do. <laughs> don't that, undersell that, it. That's the be- well. That's the best part about it because um, I don't know where he came from, but that, 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 that's, that's the best part about the podcast. In my personal opinion, is that like we get to just talk like we're friends, and people somehow tune in. I mean, Sean sends us like statistics and how much what's going on in regards to our our downloads every week, but like <laughs> the fact that like a, an episode may get thousands of downloads. And they're just listening to three guys talk about movies. That's cool. Yeah, I just cool. for people that, that, that are, are uh, listening <laughs> at a later date and not watching us live right now, you're missing out because Kevin's dog Oscar just like just like just casually like poked his head in the frame <laughs> and then waved. Hello. So I have Hello. to believe that Lauren is there, or else Hello, Oscar is an dude. awesome and wonderfully trained dog. And now my dog's getting jealous because she heard me talking in my 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 puppy voice come here Daenerys all right this week um as Kevin just mentioned and literally minutes ago uh saw Mission Impossible Fallout so we are going to give quick reactions to that film and let him catch up to us um if you want to go back and listen to the podcast where Jake and I and a good friend of ours Chris Van Vliet uh discussed the film in depth after interviewing Tom Cruise that's last week's episode number 29 uh Kevin I want to be able to give quick reaction to the equalizer I know the embargo hasn't lifted but maybe we can just sort of briefly talk about it um, I want to preview Comic-Con, and then this week's Blend game has been very popular. On social media, we are going to play hashtag Pfeiffer Blend. Surprisingly popular. I did not realize how passionate of a fan base Michelle Huge. Pfeiffer has. Huge. I'm the same way. I, I, and I, our buddy Juan, who I want to give a shout out to, who is Juan. a He's, he's her number one fan. I know, Ready Player One. <laughs> I love one. Um, but he is honestly, ever since I've known him, he's the biggest Michelle Pfeiffer fan I've ever met. And which is funny because I've never met somebody who's actually a genuine Michelle Pfeiffer fan. You know what right. I mean? Because I, yeah. I, I love her movies, but I have never like met somebody who's that invested in that person's filmography. That's a great, it's a great thing. It's, it's a unique thing. It makes And it makes me happy because he gets very excited about her movies, anything that she's in. She was great in Mother. Um, so shout out to him. And we are going to include his pick because in my opinion, he's like the ultimate yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer fan. I'll say so. it, would, it would be like, like doing the Tom Hanks podcast and not having right. my pick or you know like exactly this. yeah yeah he was kind of mad he was kind of mad that we did not <laughs> ask him to be to be on this one and yeah. really what it does it boils down to because another thing i want to do is do a quick comic-con preview is i'm leaving for comic-con tomorrow yeah and, you are and gabe is coming with me also producer yeah, gabe is, is coming too and the idea of trying to fit a guest in was just was gonna be was gonna be rough yeah. but uh but well, we do love you one but i have one's i asked for one's pick and his explanation so exactly. i have it and i will read it we just we just don't have time for him <laughs> we just don't have time. <laughs> sorry, uh, sorry, I Juan. Wanna, sorry, Juan. Uh, news. Let's start with news. And I want to start news. off with um, Skyscraper bombing yeah. uh, at the box office. And I want to get your guys' opinion because we wrote a piece about why people just didn't go to this. Yeah. And I am curious because we talked about The Rock a yeah. number of times and we talked about his films. And uh, I'm, to, to me, my, my thing is just it's rock fatigue. 
Um, he's, yeah, he has I, like six movies out in the last eight months. You know, is it just enough? Is that what happened? I don't think he, I mean, he sort of plays the same guy in every single movie. And I, I don't think it's, he's as, um, I don't want to say not bankable because obviously his movies do well, but I think that we've been mistaking him having a string of successes with him just being flawless when it comes mm. to the box office. Cause remember it was about this time a year ago that Baywatch bombed at the box office did even worse than skyscraper did. So I mean, he's not infallible. It's just that he's out there, and when he promotes his movies, he promotes hard. And when they do big, you know, after Jumanji, it was just so massive. But he is by no means a guy who is batting a thousand. I mean, well, but, you know, he, he's batting Lori you know, George is what Lori George is watching us on the Facebook feed. She said same movie like San Andreas and Rampage. Yeah, and that's well, the thing. Like when he powered Rampage to a big opening, I thought he could open anything. But yeah, but even that. that wasn't a big opening, was it? I mean, that's a what? That's a hundred plus million dollar movie that opened in the thirties. Like, is that? And it didn't I even think, cross a hundred domestic, did it? I think it did four hundred million worldwide. But still, yeah. I mean, it, it, I think here's my here's my thing. So I I definitely think there's a lot of Dwayne Johnson at the moment overload. Uh, Jumanji was December. Then you had Rampage in April. Then Skyscraper in July. Um, the Rock is the Rock is bigger than like he's bigger than life. The guy, I mean, you you see him on screen. He's also a very hard person to look past. And not see not see the rock, you know what I mean. So yeah. I think that there is something to be said about like you know we're seeing the rock's face again. I do think the rock's actually a good actor. I think that he Pain and Gain um, he was great. I wish he would start doing more stuff like Pain and Gain. Agreed, Pain and Gain. I thought that um, uh, the rundown was great. I, I yeah, think he actually call. listen. I think he makes great movies. Genuinely speaking, I think Fast Five Six. And seven and eight, I thought were, I loved the Fast and Furious movies. I thought oh, when, he, when, when he came into five, tremendous it, it addition, changed oh, I've, I've everything. Out, oh, I'm all no, in. No, I love no, Fast no, no. He made them much better. He really did. Yeah. And he this did. is coming from somebody who saw the first one over nine times in theaters. And that was only because I worked at the movie theater at the time, and I would just go after work because you know when I was <laughs> 16 years old, Fast and Furious was like, the coolest thing ever, man. Like drag racing, it was it was awesome, but. But anyways, but going back to The Rock for one second, he does make interesting movies sometimes that I actually genuinely enjoy. I thought Jumanji was fun. Sure. I think that I didn't see Skyscraper, so I can't speak on it from a critical standpoint because I was on vacation. Um, but I saw someone tweet him the other day and said, why does The Rock keep playing the same role? Yeah. And I loved his response because he's 100% right. This guy is an amputee, a veteran. Uh, the character he played in Jumanji was a 16-year-old nerd trapped in a muscular guy's body. Um, he definitely has range. So I, I don't think that the criticism of the same role thing is a, a, a right thing to say. I do think there's two reasons why I don't think it performed well. One, a uh, little bit of rock fatigue. Two, I think it was too heavily focused on international markets. Did you feel that it, I, I, I almost felt like the promotion behind that film felt outside of the u.s i mean he i mean we know just it, you know inside baseball for a second he didn't do any domestic press we that, were that like we maybe about. going yeah, yeah that we that we're aware of we were maybe in talks to interview him for that but we would have had to have gone to hong kong for it and they end up scrapping it i think um i think T maybe it, i mean is it possible that it wasn't tracking well domestic so they said let's just push hard for well, international yeah, well, I'll say I'll say this. Uh, he is shooting Jungle Cruise, I believe, at the moment. So yes. I think the timing of the interviews and him being there, I understand why certain press or certain levels of press may have, may or may not have been there. Um, I just think that based on that press tour via his Instagram, it was 
very international. But right. yeah, was, but also keep in a, mind, studios pay for that too. There was a story that came out that that's a part of his contract. I think they have to pay him a million or two million more yeah. to promote the movie on social media. And if they don't, then he won't say a word about it. I think that starts with Red Notice, which is the the next movie he's doing with Rawson, uh, the director who did Skyscraper. Yeah. I, I don't, oh. don't quote me, but I remember reading a story that he was going to get a million dollars for his Instagram account alone. Oh. Um, and Let I me think ask you if, a question. Does that director get fired? <laughs> Is he no, still no, gonna no, do no, it? No, Rawson's actually. I think he's a talented filmmaker. I, first of all, I haven't seen uh, Skyscraper, but I thought Central Intelligence was great. I thought that to me, that's another great movie in my opinion, where The Rock had range. That was a great role for him. It was funny, it was comedic, but it was it was different. Um, so I I think Rawson's a good filmmaker. I think that oh he'll one hundred percent continue with Red Notice. Gal Gadot's gonna be in that one too. Um, I just think that we needed a bit of a break. That's well, all. Rampage also, just hit three, three months ago. The skyscraper all. marketing campaign started and ended with the leap from the crane. Yes. That's the only thing they showed in everything. The poster, yeah. the trailers, the commercials. It was always yeah. him yeah. climbing up the crane yeah. and jumping. And I was like, I feel like that's the only thing the movie feels confident in showing people. I mean, and also, and also, didn't that poster remind you of, and we've talked about this before, like that poster of like him like hanging onto the ledge and it's like Dwayne Johnson in Skyscraper. Didn't it remind you of like, in movies, whenever they have yeah. movie posters and they yeah. have to just come up with like a generic actor's face <laughs> on a generic title, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it reminded me of. That it would be like in the background of of a scene in a movie. Right. And, and the thing about the movie that I, I and again, I haven't seen it, but I do, I do respect the idea of the, um, what they were trying to do with it, the amputee element of it. Uh, it. I think that there's interesting things that were utilized there for promotional aspects that could have been very good. I just thought it was the timing of it in the middle of the summer. Um, I, it just, it, it, again, Jumanji rampage all within the past seven months. And then this, it's That's just, it, it's just a little too much. And again, I think that maybe this movie was released later this year um, or marketed differently. Again, I, we don't, we'll never know these things, but I, I am finding, and I think you guys can all attest to this. That studios now know that international is kind of yeah. a big, it's a huge deal. Yeah. Um, and I think the problem sometimes is that almost domestic is now getting a little bit back burner. Because if you look at the, okay, look at the, someone look up the international, someone look up the, uh, the box office total for Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Look oh, they always did. do way because it, it didn't even do right. two hundred domestic. I think they did one eighty five domestic. Right, but it did. Look at Gabe is checking. Gabe is checking. Oh, yeah. Look at look at Ready Player it One. Several, yeah. Ready Player One. Ready good. Player One was about one twenty domestic. Now I would argue that the movie did well domestically because it was heavily promoted and well in the United States, yeah. press wise. Right. Yeah, I, I, I consider like one thirty five a uh, a win for a movie with such a high concept and. I, I found I I'd argue considering that this is our job to do it a hard movie to describe to people yeah. like 135 yeah. oh, is, yeah. is impressive. Yeah, I I just think that with with Rogue like a lot of these movies and and there's also movies that bomb miserably in the United States and then crush yeah. internationally. I mean, sometimes movie. like we've gotten sequels and we go, what? I mean, look at Pacific Rim. Why did we get X. a sequel to that? Yeah, because Triple they X well. two, right. Yeah. So it's, but it, the Rock it's, cannot be happy with a third place opening. That that's my oh, point. No. Is that, it's, no. Oh, he's I, he's got a, I'd argue a little bit of an ego to him, and and he gets I find a little pissy on social media if people start kind of calling him out. I think the thing that, that was Jake the, Hamilton, Rock. That <laughs> was that was Jake yeah, Hamilton. That was not Cinema Blend loves you, Rock. But hey, <laughs> if, if you follow Cinema me on yeah. social media, you know I do too. So <laughs> Rock, I, 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 
Uh, I will say one thing. I think that in regards to your question, Sean, to answer it shortly, yes. Um, I think a second number two opening slot would have been a better. The problem is he lost to a movie that already came out a week ago. Yeah. So Hotel Transylvania makes sense. It's a kids movie. It's it's you know I get that why that would beat Skyscraper. Yeah. It's been a month um, since we've gotten a kids movie. Like right. Incredibles is dying down. But to lo- but your movie opening less than Ant Man on its second weekend now. I guess that makes sense. It's just Marvel, but it, but it lost by a very small margin. I think it was like three million. Yeah. So that's probably what hurt the most. Uh, Rogue Nation one ninety five domestic six eighty two worldwide. Wow. <laughs> I mean that's insane. Yeah. Uh, we will get to Fallout in a minute too. Let's talk about the Aquaman poster, yeah. <laughs> which uh, yeah. I I I dropped yeah. it to you guys and and was all ready to defend it before I could even get anything into the text chain. You guys were like, "What is this piece of trash?" What are those? What don't you like about it? What don't you like well, about it? Well, it looks Finding Kevin? Nemo. It looks like the Finding Nemo poster. <laughs> and but and I can't take credit for that joke. I just saw I saw people memeing the hell out of that poster and it was right. like, but it is look at the Finding Nemo poster. Dude, it's it looks same. like a nineties Lisa Frank trapper keeper. <laughs> like it should be sort of it should be like reflective and I've you know I feel yeah. like there should be like unicorns and I just think it looks horrible. And also he's not wet. He's dry. Yeah. Well, he James Wan answered why. I can't remember what he said. He he responded he to somebody. When your body why. when your body underwater, it doesn't look wet. It doesn't have a, a wet consistency true, or a shiny consistency. It's it's supposed. It still looks somewhat normal because next what time about his hair, pool, shouldn't your hair your be moving parts. though? That's his hair the thing. should probably be moving, and he probably shouldn't be wearing leather pants. I I know that <laughs> he, James Wan commented on leather pants too, and his reply was basically, "He's Jason freaking Momoa. You're going to put him in leather pants." Here's, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I, I I'm rooting for James Wan. Yes. I think James. I think James Wan's been dealt a bad hand here in regards to the DC universe, in regards to what's happened with the previous films. Even though I still like justice league and i don't know why i, I don't think yeah. it deserved all the hate it got uh, i think oh. sean you're with me on that too I, well, well listen okay so i rewatched it with the boys and what i will say is it's not as bad as i remembered it no and um i have a little bit better of appreciation for it because some of the things that i just like made fun of the first time through i was like oh now i kind of understand i still think steppenwolf is a terrible villain and and there's no way that this should be their justice league movie like right. if this is your justice league movie it has to be a home run this is like a ground rule double where like the, the shortstop bobbled it a little bit and then I got on, ba- on base. And I actually like Justice League, but I, I came on TV the other day and I said this in my initial review. The opening credits and song are awful. Horrendous. Awful. It, awful. And then and you don't need the Henry Cavill cell phone footage. There was no. no it nope. was First of all, it was the first thing we saw and it was and there was no need for it. And it completely showed that his mustache was removed, and it was very, very. I don't. Get I'm going to argue there. it is the worst opening credit sequence to a movie that I can recall because I, the song terrible. is the most depressing song in the mm-hmm. world when it should be a celebratory like this is Justice League, let's go, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm so sorry or whatever, <laughs> whatever the song is. It's because remember how good the the opening credit scene for Watchmen was. Yes, <gasps> and I feel like genius. he wanted to replicate that. And what was it? it was all, it was to a Bob Dylan song? The the times yep. they are a changing. Watchmen so. is an underrated match. Watchmen is probably a top five superhero movie for me. Yeah. It, that movie blew yeah. my mind. Okay. And, and and but real, real quick on the James Wan thing. Yeah, back to Aquaman because I think back James Wan. I think that this could be a Patty Jenkins level standalone movie. 
Listen, no, I, no. I think I do think it's gonna be really good. I just don't think it's gonna do well. So here's my thing. So James Wan, um, I love his I love his story. I think that Furious Seven was. No wait, did he do seven or eight? He did, he did seven. seven. Yeah, with that Paul Walker, was, he lost Paul Walker in the middle of shooting. Furious Seven is my favorite Fast and the Furious movie. Um, I still think the Paul Walker split shot with Vin Diesel is is just so perfect. At the um, end, but yeah, when they, when they split off, yeah. Remember, oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, they, I actually like yeah. that song. And then James Bond, I think I think they took again. they took a shot from an older <laughs> Fast and Furious film and dropped him into that car. I guess from what I understand. Uh, Paul Walker, um, but anyways, so James Wan, you know, I, I I love his story. I love the saw the saw um, his whole saw storyline. Kind the of Conjuring movies movie. are great. Yeah, Conjuring mm-hmm. movies are some of the most well shot horror films ever. Yeah. If you, yep. oh my god, Conjuring two, the way he went through windows, like just the fluidity of his camera movements. Um, so I'm rooting for him. I just think that there's a lot of negativity going into this. It's a weird release date. I think it's what is it December. It's very. Yes. Is it? It's such yeah. a strange. It's. It just. It I feels just, like. I just think that character is so stupid. <laughs> Nobody wants like, that movie. Like, and like, problem. I get that. Like, Jason Momoa is cool, and like, you know, like, isn't it cool that we've taken a character that was blonde and like kind of preppy, and now we've made him like this, like you know, Cal Drogo badass. But like, okay, the novelty's worn off because we got Justice League. Now we're just back to Aquaman being stupid. Well, I just, and I'll say this about the footage that we saw in CinemaCon, and there's going to be a trailer on Saturday during the Warner Brothers panel that'll drop online shortly after this. And we haven't seen a trailer yet for this is the first footage. We're about, to, we're about to get a ton of trailers. I know that James Wan wants this to be a Game of Thrones type epic scale where Atlantis is this monumental place and the action is um, on a grand scale. And if he's able to deliver, it's going to be fantastic. And he talks as a reference point to using um, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner for Romancing the Stone, Ooh. which is great. If he can nail that tone, fantastic. I'm totally on board. And But but the trailer, yeah, that drops this weekend is going to tell us a lot about where yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I have a feeling, based on what we're discussing right now, that the movie's going to be really good. It's just not going to perform. Um, I, I, I'm a little concerned about that aspect of it. Also, that poster was very bad. Yeah. And the... I, I, and listen, I, I think Momoa, there was nothing in Justice League about Aquaman that made me say I want an Aquaman movie. So I think I think it's a movie that no one really wants, but I'm very curious to see what he does. I'm actually very curious about the gladiator underwater battles. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see how those pan out. So. I want the James Cameron Aquaman movie from Entourage. Did you guys ever watch Entourage? Uh, yes. I would pay <laughs> so much money for that. I actually... I think I actually asked Cameron if he'll ever. You know what I? I did ask him. When I interviewed him for the for the first Avatar. I said to him, "Will you make an Aquaman movie?" And he goes, "Have you ever read those comics? Like like in a bad way." He was like, "They're really bad." <laughs> so I'll never forget that. <laughs> uh, Kevin, pull up your phone and show everybody on Facebook, uh, and then we will find a way to show it later. Your picture with uh Christian Slater. Oh, yeah. Today, Kevin got to meet Christian Slater. This is so amazing. This this isn't the first time you've met him, is it? Uh, No, I met him. I'll I'll tell you guys the whole story. That's such a great picture. This is the photograph. And you guys have to realize that Kevin's favorite movie of all time is True Romance. And he and Lauren, his wife, have done a number of amazing True Romance-themed things. Um, And now you've met both Patricia Arquette 
and Christian Slater and discussed your love of, of this movie. So please just tell us how today went down well, briefly and got and you I, got the Elvis sunglasses on his face. I got some cool some I got some cool stories by the way, not even from him, but Glenn Close told me some cool stories about true romance as well today. Um because so, she was with him uh, for the interview. It yeah, was, I know, but uh, she, yeah, but she was. She wasn't in. She knows. Because I was going to say, I know I had a big cast. No, she's not. Her, she's not in True Romance, but she, she had dinner with played Christopher Walken. Yeah. in True she, Romance. She had dinner with Christopher Walken the night he shot the classic scene between. Get out of here! Yeah. That's what crazy. are the chances of that? All right. So, um, well, she said it was the night or the night after. It was very. It was like literally right during. Does it. she think it's Tarantino's best monologue? I didn't get into that, but ah. I, but but Slater did confirm that the the line that I don't want I don't know if I should say it on the air because I don't know if it's it's, a, it's I think it's an offensive line. It's the last thing that he calls Hopper before he kills him. That remember right. that word? Mm-hmm. Remember yeah. that after the speech he calls him. It starts with an E. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. That that was an improv line. I think that's pretty much well known though by now. Um, I don't know if I knew that. So uh, all right. So here's what happened. So two things. One, um, Christians. So my wife and I. Dress up as Clarence in Alabama. We've done it a couple times for Halloween. We've been to actual True Romance Fest, which is in um, California. We went to the Safari Inn where they shot the exteriors for the famous Safari Inn sequence, That's which awesome. is actually the the setting of probably one of the most brutally violent scenes I've ever seen in a movie when Gandolfini beats up uh, Arquette's character, which is a hard, hard scene to watch. Um, but that being said, you mentioned my, it's my favorite movie. It's weird because my, my, my life has – I've had two levels of favorite movies. I've had my Terminator 2, which was when I was eight years old, which completely changed my life and turned me into the you know film critic and, and the movie lover that I am right now. And then True Romance was my, was my high school film that kind of draw, drew me into Tarantino. So I, I put both of them on the same playing field. Christian Slater I met three times. The first time was Critics' Choice Awards. I got a picture with him. Uh, my buddy Jim, who works here in D.C., made a joke to him about my wife and I getting married. We weren't married yet. We were engaged. And Slater said, oh, I should officiate their wedding. <laughs> Jokingly, Jim then told me this. I thought he was serious. I tried. I actually emailed trying to get Christian Slater to officiate my wedding. Um, but apparently he was just joking. I never got a response. Anyway, so fast forward a year later. I'm at the Critics' Choice Awards again. I'm sitting at... I don't know how I got these seats, but I was at the Deadpool table uh, with Ryan Reynolds. So we were right at if the If anyone front. deserved those seats, it was you. <laughs> it was cool. We were at the front of the stage. So right where the steps where people walk up when they win their award. So Christian Slater comes out. This is a year later. He's on stage with somebody super famous. I can't remember who it was at the moment. It's like Mr. And Robot? They, Did he win for Mr. Robot or something? I don't No, no. He was out there to present an award. Oh, wow. So he's on stage, and they toss to the package of the nominees. You know how they say, here are the nominees. Yeah. During that, he looks down, he sees me and Lauren, and, and he mouths to us, did you guys get married yet? Like, cool. he remembered from a year. So, fast forward. I love forward, hearing stuff like that. It's so cool. And today, um, I still don't know if it was the right decision. I mean, he was cool with it. Um, but I, when he, so I got back from covering the all-star game here in DC, the all-star fan fest. And I was wearing like, you know, this outfit right here. And I immediately changed into my Clarence Worley outfit, which is the outfit he wears in true romance. So it's basically light jeans, white t-shirt, uh, Magnum PI style Hawaiian shirt, uh, golden Elvis glasses. I have the (laughs) suede shoes he has everything down to a T. Um, so I decided that and I was going to greet him at the front door in Clarence Worley's outfit. <laughs> so I, I basically walked through the security door and like everybody there was like 
really happy. He was like really happy. I have video of him saying that's really, really cool. Thank you for doing that. Then we went inside. We took a picture together. And I asked him if he would wear the golden glasses. So if you got if people who haven't seen True Romance, Clarence is a, a, a big Elvis fan, uh, like very, very big, like to the point where he, I think he even admits that he would have intercourse with them at some point. I think he says that <laughs> in the beginning of the movie. He says like he's joking around. Um, but uh, the, so anyway, so I asked him to put the glasses on. He put the glasses on um, for the picture. So he's wearing the golden glasses. Craziest thing about that was after we were done, I think he was like, he hadn't worn those glasses in a long time. So he kept them on for a while. He went back to the green room. He put them on again. He was like, so like into the glasses. Mm. Um, and then Glenn Close, um, who was walking with us, we were talking about whether or not she had seen True Romance. And she was like, oh yeah, when Chris Walken had shot that famous scene, I had dinner with him the night of or the night after, whatever. I can't remember her exact wording because I was kind of, I was in a weird bubble where mm -hmm. I'm like, dressed up as Clarence Worley while I'm sitting next to the guy who plays him, um, which is crazy. So then we're just, we're just like, I, I, think, I think I told him something he didn't even know. I don't even think he knew that Tarantino had given the script to Tony Scott so that he could make Reservoir Dogs. Because when I interviewed Quentin Tarantino for Grindhouse, um, I had my one of the radio hosts from the Junkies ask Tarantino if he if he regretted direct not directing True Romance he said no no no, no. you know I, I passed my time on that I gave it to Tony Scott so I could make my first movie which was Reservoir Dogs and then I wanted to move on to uh, Pulp Fiction um so it's an interesting it, it was it was crazy it was absolutely insane so it was it was on a, a similar cool note next Saturday um I have an opportunity to do something and I'm probably not doing it I told Jake about this but they're doing a diehard 30th anniversary um, screening of the movie at Nakatomi Plaza in LA oh my God. outside. Dude. But then earlier in the day, they're inviting a few outlets to take a tour of the building and go see like select locations where they shot uh, the stuff for Nakatomi. And Die Hard it, to me is true romance to Kevin. So is it this sat this coming Saturday or next Saturday? Next Saturday. So Dude, it would be both, like both the Kevin and I after. will be in LA. You could stay with us, man. San you could Diego. have a room. You totally could. And by the way, um, I am gonna. Clarify oh, he's thinking them. about it. Look at his face. No, the wheels are turning. Really, but like just, we'll be like, doing what junkets. Sets but like, are they going to show? Like, I the only thing is, if if people go to the roof and can like just see like the view from the roof, like that would drive me nuts. Because everything else is a set. Like all of the office buildings um, are sets. Like, probably you'd probably go through the stairwell. They're not going to take us into the elevator shafts. But maybe if they go to the roof, I just want to be able to to mimic his line from the roof where he's talking to the police officers about ordering a pizza. That would be awesome. I won't use that. So, but I don't. Uh, maybe I'll go. I don't know. Maybe we I'll we go. should do it. Seriously, you, you got a room to cast. We'll, we'll both be. We'll be there. This is this is probably a conversation to have off the podcast, but we'll be there Thursday yeah. to Sunday. Right. That's awesome. Oddly enough, the weirdest thing for me today was hearing Glenn Close call Christopher Walken Chris. Chris, I, uh, <laughs> I had dinner with Chris. Chris Walken, like, what? I mean, it was like it was like, and I've never met Christopher Walken, so it was uh, I, I, it was one of those things where I was like, oh my god, it's so cool. But like Glenn Close, so then I asked her if she had ever had anybody dress up in one of her characters, and she said that when she was nominated for Fatal Attraction, she would see people with the hair. That her character had cool. in that particular film. Um, I will clarify because my wife probably Lauren probably has a better recollection of things that were said today because I was in such a daze because I was you know I was like it was it was a very surreal thing like walking next to him wear that outfit but I'm pretty sure she said she had dinner with him the night of or the night after he shot that famous scene across from Dennis Hopper and then in the middle of the interview this is where it got real I almost started, I, it was surreal I asked him 
I did the whole interview for this movie called The Wife, which is the movie that him and Glenn Close are in, which is uh, coming out in August, I believe, with Jonathan Price. And uh, at the end of the interview, I looked at Christian Slater. Uh, I changed back into a suit for the interview, obviously. Um, and I said to him, uh, while I have you on camera, can I ask you a quick true romance question? You just, you know, what was your experience like with that movie? You know, do you have a favorite particular moment? And he talked a lot about um, Dennis Hopper. And mm. apparently he had just seen Easy Rider right before they made True Romance. So it was like, it was a big deal for him to be in a scene with Dennis Hopper. So it was just like, you know, speaking of Dennis Hopper, who's passed away, obviously, unfortunately, but just cool to hear him recollect yeah. about that genius actor. And That's awesome. if people haven't seen True Romance, seek it out because the Hopper walk-in dialogue is arguably yeah. one of the greatest scenes in the history it's, it's of It's the cinema. best uh, monologue or yeah, best dialogue that you can't quote openly in public. <laughs> there's, not a, there's not a moment in that dialogue, except for when Walken goes, you know who I am? He goes, I'm the Antichrist. He goes, you tell the angels in heaven you've never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man that killed you. My name's Vincent Cacati. I work for uh, I work for Consul for Blue Blue Boil. I know the whole speech, wow, but, sure um, <laughs> but think about how brutal that line is. Tell the angels in heaven you've never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man that killed you. I love it. Woo! Go to Kevin's socials and uh, take a look at the picture that he has of Christian Slater because it's really great. Well, that's, that's all really the time we have for this week on Real Blend. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Comic-Con is happening in a couple Comic-Con. of days. Comic-Con. And uh, Jake, you've been a long time ago. Kevin, have you ever gone? Yeah. Never been. Um, I want to go, but I want the experience to be great. I, I've heard I've heard horror stories about the um, how crazy it can get, but I'd like to go if I was able to have credentials or some type of pass to yeah, get into the Hall is, H. This is the only way for Comic-Con to your experience to be truly great is to not go and read about it from a distance. <laughs> I, I went <laughs> 10 true? years ago, and I, I've been told that that was one of the last years before. I don't want to say the last years that it was good, but the last years before it truly got crazy. The Dark Knight had just come out. The big movie in Hall H was Watchmen that we were seeing the trailers of. That's Here's, here's what I'll say about Comic-Con. Um, it reminds me every year of of just how important all of this is to people who have, um, you know, mundane jobs who use movies and television as as an escape from the true nine to five. Right. So for this, they use vacation time. They dress up in costume. This is their time to just be surrounded. So so all of us like talk about the three of us. Our days are immersed in this thing that we love, right? But for a lot of people, they can't do that, right? They can, that so their escape is to to plunge into um, these television shows that they adore: Fear the Walking Dead, Walking Dead. Uh, to go to the to talk to the different movies, and then sometimes they get up to the microphone and they're able to ask a question yeah. of somebody who they will ne- like. I saw a woman break down crying at the Elysium panel, <laughs> not because she watched Elysium. But because she I like that movie. Of course you do. Because she got to ask Matt Damon a question. And she yeah. asked Matt Damon a question. And then she literally was like, I can't believe I just spoke to Matt Damon and started crying. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, I totally remember that yeah. that for for, the, for people who don't get to do this, it's a really amazing opportunity. You know, but get, the fest can't handle the amount of people who go. That's the only thing is they can't handle the crowds who go. To, to say something about my wife real fast, which I, I, I found this interesting. So Lauren... Uh, is also a movie critic in DC and she gets to tag along with me on a lot of the things that I do in regards to meeting a lot of people and celebrities that we both love together, like the Christian Slater thing today. Uh, but she'll still go to these cons to try and talk to people that she has never met before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember she went to a New York Comic Con 
just so she could be in the same room as Sarah Michelle Gellar. Mm -hmm. And she had the opportunity to somehow stand up and ask her a question. And it just changed, like it made her so happy. So what you're saying, I completely get. And it's one of those things where we are very lucky that we have the opportunity to sit in a room one-on-one with these people. And Jake and I discuss this a lot in regards to a junket scenario versus a red carpet scenario where you have the opportunity to be face to face one on one with somebody. Um, so I, I get what you're, I get what you're saying, man. Like there's, that makes sense to me. But where it's broken is that some people will spend 24 hours in a line to maybe not even get into the panel that they want to get into. And that's, even I, I did that. Uh, I did that a little over a year ago. Um, I did not get credentialed. I just went with buddies to star Wars celebration in Orlando. Sean, you were there. And for the 40th anniversary panel, I just knew they were all going to be on the same stage together, and I thought this could could be the last time that this ever happens in our lifetime. Right. Right. And I slept overnight, and and I slept overnight uh, with my buddies, and we were—I kid you not—this is not an exaggeration to make the story more dramatic. We were the last people to be allowed yeah. into the room, and That's then insane. when they're all on the same stage, and you're looking at Harrison Ford and George Lucas and Mark Hamill. And, and Anthony Daniels and Peter Mayhew and then John Williams starts playing John like plays. I, I I thought oh well that was totally absolutely worth it it was it yeah. was a once in a lifetime opportunity and there's definitely something that happens at Comic Con every single year where you're like oh yeah this is why we like the year that J J Abrams had um, the episode the Force Awakens panel in Hall H and at the end he goes does everybody want to go watch a, a concert of yeah. Star Wars music let's all get up and, yeah. and march there together and you or Kevin just... Smith wasn't Kevin Smith next <laughs> uh, in this panel was, next was, and no was one right was after there. that and he watched the whole hall empty <laughs> but like I marched in a line of a, of thousands of people in a in an organized line to go to this concert and I was like this truly is why Comic-Con is special but yeah. but this year it's um so the Warner Brothers panel which we discussed with Aquaman they're going to have Shazam, uh, potentially some Wonder Woman 1984 footage. I would assume that Gal Gadot and Patty uh, Jenkins shot something to bring. Um, Sony is going to have Venom and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Again, it's a lot of movies that showed footage. Universal is going to have Glass and Halloween. Um, Glass, I'm so excited for Glass. Glass is actually a great movie to bring there, considering the superhero element to it, which is it's because it seems like a movie like like, like you know like you know Unbreakable and Split, while the superhero undertone is there. Um, it seems like a strange movie to bring to Comic Con. Yeah. But but now that we know everything's interwoven, and that poster, I think it was Jake and I and you were talking about that poster. Where like I guess the image was reversed of their super. What, what was yeah. it again? Yeah, yeah. The yeah. reflections are them as yeah. their superhero so personas. So cool. Yeah. 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 On that movie is gonna be Shyamalan awesome. is back, baby. <laughs> he never left. I more than he should have. Uh, what about Ben Lady in the Water forever? What about Fox's uh, Predator panel? Are you excited for Shane Black? Yeah. New Predator. Yeah. Huh. Maybe, I like Shane maybe Black. in 1984. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not really on the Predator bandwagon yet. I don't feel that movie. And I, listen, I like Shane Black a lot. I will say, I did not. And I know people are going to blast me for this. I did not love the nice guys. I thought it was good. I, I, I agree with you. No, I agree with you. I, I do love uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I do too. But I did not love nice guys. But and I don't movie... think like none of those, like none of that's going to transfer over. They're all completely different films. Like they're totally like, like nice yeah. guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I could see saying, "Oh, I liked one, therefore I'm going to get excited for the other." But right. I can't see anything in either of those two movies that are going to make it to their way over to Predator. Which is why I like the jump from James Wan going into this Aquaman film yeah, because I, right. I, I think it gives a chance yeah. for him to break away from the horror element. I mean, Fast and Furious was a big thing yeah. for him, but but yeah, Sean, I you're am scared be, to see it. 
That's Sean's true. gonna be there, and people need to follow. So there. people listening, follow Sean's yeah. Twitter, yeah, um, because please. he will be live tweeting everything. But wh- Sean, what is your most anticipated panel? Ooh, that's a good question. It's probably the Warner Brothers panel because this year, like every year, my most anticipated panel is the Marvel panel. And it's always Saturday night and they always um, put on such an amazing presentation and they always have something really cool to talk about. This year, it happens to land in a time where the three Marvel movies have played out. Uh, They don't have anything until Captain Marvel. So it's way too early for them to show some stuff for March. So Warner Brothers has an opportunity and DC has an opportunity to really steal the spotlight, to come in and drop some amazing Aquaman footage um, or maybe a Shazam sizzle reel that gets people really excited. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I want Venom to to turn around and, and convince me that it's going to be good. I like Tom Hardy. I want that character to work. And um, the first footage, I think because they were still working on the effect of the, the creature, um, needed some some time. So hopefully now they're ready. But um, Sean, do you think, we will not, you think we're not going to get any Captain Marvel stuff? No, I don't think so. I'm Are we getting anything from Game surprise. of Thrones? Uh, nothing from Game of Thrones, no. no I bet you gonna... Captain Marvel surprises with some footage. But like the whole the whole studio of Marvel isn't going to be there, right? It'd be, it'd be yeah. it'd, I mean, it'd be one thing if like Marvel is going to be there, but like, aren't they just straight up not going to be there at all? They're sitting the whole thing out, and yeah. what I think they're going to do. See, they, they said after Infinity War, after they did the junket, that the the main players for the Marvel Studios were going to go into total radio silence and not do any press. Now, Kevin Feige just did the junket for Ant Man and the Wasp, and he talked a bit about some big picture things because now the Spider Man Far From Home stuff is starting to come out. And people are asking questions like, how can he be in it? He dusted in Infinity War. So, um, but I think they want to try to avoid press as much as they physically can. And a couple of years ago, Marvel did a a presentation in the um, El Capitan in in downtown Hollywood where they laid out all of Phase 3 in one shot. And it was Marvel saying, we don't need to go to Comic-Con and we don't have to have a D23. We can just do a Marvel thing that we want to do. And they literally put it together in a couple of days and invited a bunch of press outlets and they let fans in the LA area come and Kevin Feige came out and just said, here's phase three. And they mapped it all out on a giant slide. And I bet you they do something like that in the back half of this year for all of their phase four titles. If they even want to reveal them, they might not, but I think Marvel knows what their entire phase four slate is and they'll just choose to reveal it when they want to reveal it. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I, I think, listen, Comic-Con sounds awesome, and I, I, I agree with you. I, I like following it from my phone and my, and my Twitter. I, I would, when Jake, when Jake talked about what it was like to be in that Star Wars room, yeah. um, like, th- like, that's like, that's what you wait for. And I think um, these big moments that you get to share with people for the first time that no one else is able to experience, um, it's like going to like a world premiere, you know what I mean? Like yeah. nobody's seen this footage yet or nobody's seen this yet. and there's also a camaraderie like you're hugging strangers you're hugging people that yeah. haven't showered in three days and and, and it's cool because because <laughs> yeah. you're experiencing something it's really it's uh it's it's like, that being said i have no interest in going back to comic-con nor do i have interest in going back to star wars celebration and if it weren't happening in chicago next year i probably wouldn't go we're gonna do a show from there I'm telling well, you, we're going to do are. a show from there. I would like to I do a podcast to. from Celebration. We're going to get Kevin to Chicago. Yes, Kevin. Can I make one question slash derailment real quick? Um, and then I promise this will be fast because I, I experienced <laughs> <Of course. laughs> no, Absolutely. I experienced this Game a little bit. Over the, listening 20 minutes ago. I experienced this over the weekend a little bit on my Twitter, and I wanted to get your opinions on this. Yes. Um, I was watching a lot of Die Hard this weekend because it was on HBO. Like they were yes. running a marathon. Oh, I will and allow that, this. Yes. And I know you would. And, <laughs> and, 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 and did, were they running them because of the Bruce Willis roast over the weekend? That it's it seemed well the anniversary the 30th anniversary of the movie was. Oh, Sunday. you're right. You're yeah, right. You're right. Sunday. That's probably what which 
I didn't know this, but it shares an anniversary with True Lies um, in regards oh. to the date they were released. Um, True Lies is one of my favorite movies, but Die Hard, um, I caught the end of Die Hard, and I wanted to say, well, kind of going back to what Sean was saying about going to Akatomi uh, Plaza, hey, uh, Sean, I do recommend, since it is your favorite movie, I would try and do what that is. It sounds cool. It um, does. But the it Alan does. Rickman death scene uh, is truly extraordinary, uh, that it was 30 years ago, and it looks that good. And I, and I was uh, two things I wanted to bring up about that. One, um, the thing Jake tweeted me. I know Gabe's probably getting mad, but I'll take two seconds here. I know you guys are all texting saying Kevin's going over time. I know. Um, I see. I see you guys all. Go, I, I see all your faces. There's, there's, there's a separate text chain with you three, and it's like Kevin's going over time. He's talking too long. What's amazing is that that's not right at all. But I love it. I love that you just assume that we're texting about you. So well, I saw the you, Rickman fall. The Rickman you all fall. had your phones in your hands the exact same time. So, <laughs> so that's the reason why I said that. All right, anyways, so the Rickman fall. Two things on that. One, Jake, talk about what you said to me about where, what you heard. And two, someone sent me a video of a similar scene in RoboCop when the guy falls off the building after being shot. And it right, looks right. horrendous. So yes. there's something to be said about what McTiernan did with that shot. Um, whether it be at nighttime or how they green screened it, but it looks phenomenal. But Jake, what this is an interesting thing. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, if it's I just true. and I don't know if it's true. It's just a story that I heard that whenever they were holding Rickman, they're like, okay, uh, you know, they had to get that shot of of him falling, and like we're gonna let you go on three, and they said one, two, and then they let him go. So that in order to to achieve that that oh crap face that he has whenever he's falling, I don't know if it's true, but that's just what I always heard. But you're not the only person who told me that. I got other tweets of people saying that. Did did Rickman ever confirm that? It's, or the screenwriter confirm that? I don't know. Because I'm I'm sure a little bit of digging could could find the answer. But I feel like it's, I love it's it. A, I think that's great. It's a great story. Yeah, but this really- is why I really transitioned because Bruce Willis is 100 percent wrong about what he said about Die Hard. And I want Sean to tell this story because you wrote an article about it, yeah. about it, whether or not it's a certain holiday movie. Well, at the end of the roast, so it's it's an ongoing debate about whether this is a Christmas movie or not, or or if it just happens to be a movie that takes place at Christmas. But I I mean, my argument is that it's a Christmas movie. It 110%. is. 110%. Yeah. It yeah. uses... How is it um, not? How is right. it not a Christmas it's about family. movie? It's extremely it's on famous Christmas, Christmas music. Yes. I mean, anytime I hear... Uh, the diehard theme, you know, at Christmas time, I always turn around and whisper to my kids to the point where they can't stand it anymore. I'm like, you know, this is the diehard theme. And they're like, shut up, shut up, it, old man. I can't listen to you talk about this movie anymore. It's for a God Christmas sakes. movie. It's a Christmas movie. But Willis, for whatever reason, decides to close his Comedy Central roast by shouting out to the crowd, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. And mm-hmm. then um, the screenwriter, and uh, I'm sure McTiernan would also come out and say, it's a Christmas movie. Stop it. Stop. To be fair, so, Bruce Willis also said that Die Hard 5 was a good movie. So do we really believe no what he one, says about Die no Hard No one movies? has said that ever. And if people, he did say that, we'll have to check him into a, a psychiatric ward. because people that listen Maybe that's the plot of Glass. Yeah. yeah. Tweet us. Tweet us. Yeah. <laughs> good one. Good tweet one. us your thoughts. Because yes. I, would be, I would be very curious what our what poll would be on that. Because I think it's 100% a Christmas movie. Not oh, only yeah. does it take place at Christmas. It's all about family and love getting back to your kid and your wife. It's a, I would I, argue more that Lethal Weapon has a better is it or isn't it because I don't know if that is. Yeah. Even though all Shane Black I, often, I always Christmas forget time. about Lethal Weapon. I don't I, I don't really associate Lethal Weapon with Christmas. No, neither do I, but Die Hard is such a Christmas movie. Yeah. Um 
quick, very quick Equalizer reactions because I want to spend more time on Mission. Kevin, do you I have not it? seen it, so I'll leave it to you guys. I yeah. liked Equalizer. I two, 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 two. Not the first one, the new one. I like the second one. I oh, saw okay. it last night. Okay. Um, I know we can't. I guess we can't refo- officially review it yet. Not really, but I just want to let people know whether it's worth their time. I think it's good, and I think um, I'm. First of all, I think Antoine Fuqua is a great director. I think he's a good storyteller. The action in this film, um, I thought was incredible. Um, there's a car chase scene or an individual car sequence that you, Sean, you saw. You know what I mean? That that was got a, an applause break from our yeah. audience. But it's funny. My wife and I were driving home last night from the film, and we weren't talking about the action. We were talking about a very emotional dialogue scene that happens between Denzel and the kid, one of the kids from Moonlight. Mm-hmm. Um, which I won't go into, but it was weird. I was in a theater with with uh, a sold out theater, and what Denzel says in this scene um, was actually very profound, uh, and I didn't expect it in the middle of a like incredibly bloody, violent action movie. Yeah, um, he assumes was, like a father figure role for the kid, right? And yeah. it's really profound. Like, and I, and people in my theater were clapping. I remember leaving the movie, and Lauren brought it up again. I'm like, yeah, you're right, and like people. It's a message that I don't think has been talked a lot about in movies. And what he says to this kid was so interesting. So when people see it, I'm curious what you think. But I was surprised at the emotional attachment I had to that relationship mm-hmm. in the middle of a bloody R-rated Denzel revenge movie. So yeah. it, it, it's, I think it, it it's, not, it's not a great movie by any means. It could have been trimmed down by 20 minutes probably. Uh, there was a storyline. But, but, but we'll get into the full review next week. But... I do recommend it. Yeah, and I think if, if we remember anything about it two months from now, it'll be the finale, which is, I think we can say that it's set in a hurricane. Awesome. It's set in a hurricane. That's, and, that was amazing. Yeah, and more often than not, I just was watching, like, how on earth did they maintain a hurricane for the amount of time that it would take to film it? So, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I was I was like, what are, like, first of all. it's a lengthy, lengthy scene. It's got to be a 15 or 20 minute finale and they're in the middle of like a category five hurricane yeah and it looks really good like it looks like there's a there was a shot i remember and i won't give too much this is nothing this is nothing spoiler or story wise but like one person walked by a a, a pool that was in someone's yard and even the effects on that looked amazing so i don't know what they were doing to make it look so good i'm sure they had rain machines and things like that but um is that in the trailer do they show any of the hurricanes they do show clips of the trailer and i will say because this this was one of my favorite questions from the first equalizer junket i had denzel and antoine fuqua combined and i thank you and i said uh you know it looked great when you had your home depot confrontation (laughs) but whose decision was it to have the fire alarms go off because it meant denzel had to be wet all the time and i said to denzel (laughs) were you okay with that and he was like on the first day (laughs) by the time we got to the fifth or sixth day when everybody else was dry and i'm wearing the same wet coat you know it got to be a bit of a thing so uh and then he gave his denzel laugh and when you're in a room with denzel and he gives that laugh it's such a oh my gosh i'm sitting across from denzel so i got antoine fuqua at CinemaCon on the red carpet and i said you know last time you put denzel into a a wet home depot and i said uh what did you do to him this time and he starts laughing and he goes well there's a hurricane (laughs) (laughs) great good that's really funny (laughs) by the way my wife picked up on this and i won't say anything more than this i didn't pick up on this at all there is a major major game of thrones reference in the movie oh okay that's all i'll say all right, good. Uh, Kevin saw I you, Mission I, Impossible. I thought you were going to say there was like a Stones reference. 
Fallout. <laughs> so Jesus, not again, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin saw Fallout. And uh, we will, we're will. we going to wait to talk in depth about Fallout. We talked a bit about it on last week's podcast. Um, I want to sort of give the floor to Kevin. And we're going to – I, I want to rank them. Um, and I don't think that this is going to uh, give away any sort of spoilers. But where would you we want to rank Fallout? all six or just let's say where we put six, Fallout? Let's rank all six. Um, J- Jake, you start. Where would you put this? Uh, I would – I think it's the best one. Um, you think it's the best one. Okay. Yeah, I think it's the most complete. I Whenever I, I think – and I, I, I don't dislike any of the Mission Impossibles. I think they're, I think it's arguably one of the most consistent franchises in the history of movies um, that's, that's getting better and better and better. Um, I'd argue these days it's more consistent than Bond is, which I, I know is not a popular opinion, but I'm going to make that argument. Um, right. Here's my issue. Here's why, here's why I like it more than the other ones. Um, I, I think it's the most complete – I think it's got these um, like several different amazing set pieces that are sort of scattered evenly throughout the film perfectly. Whenever mm. I think of the like the best most wow sequences from the from the some of the past few, few films, it's always near the beginning or sometimes in the middle. Like as much as I love Ghost Protocol and trust me I do, I feel like it peaks at the Burj Khalifa scene and then like the final act it just kind of limps to the finale. Like there's nothing about the final act that, that really stands out to me. Um, so as opposed to, I think, in this movie, they, they save some of the best for last. So it is uh, it is my favorite one of all of them. And if I had to rank them, I'm writing it down right now, I'd go six, and then I'd go Mission Impossible 3, and then I'd go Ghost Protocol, and then I'd go Rogue Nation, and then I'd go one, and then I'd go two. That being said, I think they're all at least like three and a half or above. I, I just think I think it's just a truly monumental and uh, accomplished franchise. Is Kevin, it weird we- that I, I don't like one? And I, and I didn't like, and I will give, I'll say this, I haven't seen one in a long time, and I love De Palma, um, but I just don't, I didn't love one, and I, and It I plays remember, better, I think, as you get, because I felt the same way, and I just rewatched all five of them before we went to Paris, it, I feel like, and I don't want to be like, oh, as you get older, you appreciate films, but I feel like I appreciate it, the, I don't want to say the slowness of it, but I respect the pacing more now than I did when it, whenever I was like 10 years they, old. They also became different movies. They're like they're movies that are more like from three on. They're yeah. movies that are defined by their set pieces. And the set piece for one is the CIA infiltration, yeah. where it's more about like Which what he great. doesn't do. It's great, right? Yeah. But it's not like a showstopper. Like right. the big stunt is is when he's running away from like a broken fish tank, right? Yeah. In one, so it's just like yeah. they're not that exciting. Like he's not gonna die. And also, there are a lot of like weird, like <laughs> below the chin shot. Like De Palma loves shooting below, like people having conversations. There are a yeah. lot of like really dramatic, like underneath the chin shots. We all agree that two is the worst, right? Everyone agrees that two is the worst. But it's no. still fun to watch. You don't like, think two is the worst? I, I, I hate saying the, the worst. worst. Really interesting. All right, that's mm. fine. Uh, I, I will say I don't want to I don't want to take too much time for this guy because I went I went a little long earlier on my true man stuff so I apologize but I don't want to take up too much talking time but I'll write mine real quick and I know we're, we're go gonna get we're gonna get into an in depth discussion next week oh, probably absolutely. on this right yeah. okay. uh, can we even do in depth because pe- it doesn't even open next it opens next week I want to give people time to see it but okay we will have well, more Fallout talk yes okay I just saw it um, I s- listen I think these films are amazing uh, I I. Uh, this is a good. This is a very, very good movie, and anybody who's a Mission Impossible fan is going to like this movie. No mm-hmm. question. That's fair. Uh, my my words when I left the theater were, "I liked it a lot." Mm-hmm. Um, I do have problems with it personally that I, I that I will get into when we review the movie more heavily. Um, that being said, 
this is going to sound worse than it is because the rankings make it seem that way, but I think it's the fourth best one. Um, and that sounds harsh, but let me, let that's, me that's a, more That's less of a knock to the movie and more of a testament to the quality of the series. Well, yeah. Kevin, I, I literally said this to Paramount in the Junket Suite. I said, your biggest problem is that, you know, three, four, and five are all-timers. Like you're trying to compete with three of the best action movies of, of the past, time. you know, of all time. Yeah, literally yeah. of all time. So how do you break through that 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 group? Yeah, and that's kind of where my line is. So I think Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation are on a level that is almost, no pun intended, impossible to achieve. Like those right. movies are, they're perfect. And I, I think Rogue, I, Ghost Protocol blew my mind. Um, to a point where, and again, that a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with Brad Bird and shooting IMAX film, and that that movie on a seventy mm IMAX screen when mm. he's on that Burj Khalif, or oh my God, how about the running in the sandstorm? I mean, there is so much in that film. Um, I agree with Jake's point that it, the back half, the the third act, isn't as strong. I do I agree would, with that. I would agree. I would say that about Fallout. Really? Oh, no. Really? See, that, to me, there are two moments in the entire franchise where I get sweaty palms. It's the Burj Khalif and then the finale of Fallout. Which, okay, well, let's get into that. We'll get into that when we talk. Later. Okay, 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 I have a question then. So sell Rogue Nation to me. Because like I and I, I really like Rogue Nation and I liked it upon rewatch. But like, I mean, like to me, like it's... it's Solomon it's, Lane is a great... Solomon Lane and the Syndicate are a really great villain. And that me. pays off more in Fallout than it does in... Ilsa is a really great addition to the, to the franchise. On and, and her opera house scene is a masterpiece. Like that, that scene, fight in the, the the fight in the Ooh. rafters at the opera house with Cruz. Oh. The, See, I, t- I, the I take the bathroom fight. And Cruz I take the bathroom miss, fight. He goes, Sean, that <laughs> no, the rafters fight scene. The rafters fight. It's tremendous. Oh my god! Like that, I know. I, I, I'll never forget that that no, whole but, sequence. You, do you guys think that scene is better than the bathroom fight scene in Fallout? Yes. No. But the bathroom no. fight scene in Fallout is awesome. It's, it's still awesome. an amazing. Yeah. Oh no. We're not. Yeah. We're not trashing yes. anyone. Yeah, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but wait. 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 The the I have to dive into the water um, with the cards. What card do I have? That's pretty cool. He dies. He gets revived. It's a car chase. It's Whew. a motorcycle chase. Yeah. That, that sequence is insane. Fallout. I mean, Rogue Nation is insane. Yeah. It's yeah. Insane. You got to think about that for a second. Rogue Nation has three of one of the three of the greatest action scenes ever. Yes. Uh, you have the you have the plane takeoff, which is insane. Uh, <laughs> you have the rafters opera house scene, and then the scene that Sean has mentioned, where he holds his breath, and then they get out in that whole that whole car scene. What's that shot where him and Peg are in the car, and they like they're driving backwards or whatever? Oh yes. my. God, and that's right bag. after Ethan had died and has to get revived. <laughs> he was, dies briefly and gets revived. I mean, okay, let me I, get my ranking and then we'll move on. And then because we, we got to do five for blood. Okay, I didn't get my ranking. Oh, I, go, I, go, I, go, go, go. All right, so I'm gonna. And again, I liked Fallout a lot, and I recommend it for Mission fans. It's an amazing for action fun fans. Film. I think for just movie it, fans in general. Fallout, for movie fans in general. I, yeah. I would even go. It's a very, very good movie. So definitely see it. Um, my rankings are four, five, three, six. Two one, interesting. Okay, but, and, but like like Sean and I were saying before, like we're talking about like at least for me that especially those first four because we had the same first four just in a different order. We're talking the difference between tenths of a point. Yes. So yes. like All, we're like we're, we're we have different rankings, but like but I don't really think we're it. arguing it with each other. That's the fun. My yeah. top four. So meaning Fallout, uh, uh, Protocol, Ghost Nation, uh, Ghost Nation. Yeah, 
<laughs> Ghost, Ghost Protocol, Road Nation, Fallout, and MI3 are all above a four out of five for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So, so, so just Absolutely. to give a just to give a perspective, I like right. Fallout a lot. Mine is uh four five six three one two. Wait, so four, six is third. Four five, five six, six six. Four five six three, three one two. One, two. You say okay. Fallout better than MI three? Yes. Okay. And I just rewatched MI three and I just um it's it's really good. I mean it's great. I mean JJ's good in it and it's but it it takes a little while to get going. It takes I a little love, while to get going. I love three primarily because of Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh Hoffman. And is, come Hoffman's on, really that good. bridge blowout scene when he oh Which I God. just realized is the Bay Bridge, which we crossed going to Delaware. Did they actually shoot that on the Bay Bridge? It's supposed to be the Bay Bridge. Oh wow. Which has I a big Bay Bridge. I didn't know that. I actually yeah. don't remember that being the Bay Bridge. I, I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it. They mentioned in the movie that there was an attack on the Chesapeake Bay Bridge huh. when he's racing to get to the uh, hospital to get to his his wife before she can get abducted. Hmm. And we Delaware. just drove over that. We're yeah. in Delaware. We're in Delaware. All right. Pfeiffer Blend. Today, this week's game is uh, hashtag Pfeiffer Blend, the films of Michelle Pfeiffer. And like we mentioned at the top of the show, um, it got a tremendous response on social media. Michelle Pfeiffer has amazing fans who are really super passionate about her performances. And it, it truthful, truly, like, I was so happy that we were doing her body of work. And then when I look back over them, I was like, oh, my God, like, she's been in so many great films yeah. over the years. I thought, like, my default was, like, the first one that popped into my head. But then when I looked, I was like, oh, man, I'm totally wrong. It's not that at all. And so I shifted. Um, Gabe, are we able to guess? We have different we all different picks. Good. Excellent. Wow. And Gabe tells me that Jake goes first, and so we get to guess what Jake's pick is. And I am going uh, here's to... what I'll tell you. Is yeah. that I I thought it was easy and I had my pick, and then about two hours ago I went, ooh, but maybe not. And I changed my mind at the last minute. I'm gonna guess that you went with something like Dangerous Liaisons. I'm going to guess he went with Dangerous Minds. I went with Batman Returns. Oh, man. Way off. Okay. I, I just think that there are – that is such a big character. And it wasn't even supposed to be her. It was supposed to be Annette Benning, and then Annette Benning got pregnant. It, really? That is such a big character and such an iconic villain that now will – like she will always be the bar by which it is measured. Like no, you know, like before and after anyone that takes on in the same way that Heath Ledger did with the Joker, he got a little bit more, I think, publicity for it than than she or credit for it than she's getting. She gets for Catwoman, I think. I mean, the transformation that Selena Kyle makes in that movie, just the complete ownership of the character, both internally and externally, what she does physically for the role, what she does internally, just how unbelievably tortured and sad and uh, and 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 just sort of removed from society, this person is, and how she then transforms into this really empowered, badass woman that that can take on both Bruce Wayne and Batman. I mean, she took a role that would have that on page, I think, was probably written to be a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. she made it her own in in a way that I think not everyone does with with a comic book role. Yeah. I mean, she took a comic book role and made it an amazing cinematic role. Period. Right. Uh, I was originally going to go with Fabulous Baker Boys, but I just there's a certain iconic quality to what she turned in with Catwoman and Selena Kyle, and I felt like I'm going to get I'm going to get knocked for the, for picking this because I feel like it's it's on paper the easiest one to pick, but I just think what she does with that character is just 
it 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 goes into the to the realm of of the word iconic. I think that that's a totally fair pick. I don't think yeah. you're, you're going to get lambasted for that at all. Um, I get to go next, and you guys get to guess. I think you picked Fabulous Baker Boys. Hmm. I think you picked Scarface. No, you're both wrong. Um, I picked Frankie and Johnny. Ooh. And I picked Frankie and Johnny for this reason. Um, it, it's a Gary Marshall movie, and I don't love Gary Marshall's movies. Um, he makes really... Um, well, his, his most recent movies are just too simple and too basic. But this is a like a quintessential romantic comedy. It does everything right in a romantic comedy. When I was looking back over Michelle Pfeiffer's body of work, um, I was amazed at how often she was cast as um, a character who relies so much on like how beautiful she is, right? Like she's just so stunning. And a lot of times with someone like her, she has to work against that to be convincing. Yeah. And in Frankie and Johnny, she is a normal person. Like it's, it's a remarkable performance as just an average person. She's a, a diner waitress. Um, she falls in love with a guy who comes in to uh, try out for the short order cook. And it's just, it's just a quintessential living in New York. Like it plays the bridge and tunnel aspect of living in New York so beautifully. And what cements it is just her and Pacino. Like you just watch yeah. her and Pacino playing off of each other. They're both brilliant in it, and she's funny. She's so funny, and it's she, like she makes so other act, so many other actors better. Yes, uh, yeah, and I mean, like that movie to me just showed off. It's it's almost like when, um, and this is really funny to say, but like when a pretty girl who doesn't know she's pretty um, shows off their light. And you're like, oh, look at how charming! Like she's all of a sudden. So Michelle Pfeiffer in that way had to like relearn how to not be <laughs> one of the most beautiful yeah. people on the planet, and then become a, a normal person who's letting that shine through, and still make it look effortless, you know, in the process of, of performing. And so, there's so many great things I think you could have, uh, so many great roles you could have chosen her of her, but that she floors me in Frankie yeah. and Johnny, and uh, I just think it's a great romantic comedy. So that's a good pick. That's a really good pick. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin is up next. And are we going to guess? Yeah, we get to guess. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Fabulous Baker Boys because someone had to choose Fabulous Baker Boys. It's a good choice. Um, I think Hairspray. I think Kevin picked Hairspray. I like All Hairspray. Right. It's great. Um, I'm going to really be good. short. I'm going to be short because I want to get to Juan's pick. Um, oh, yeah. Admittedly, admittedly uh, Pfeiffer Blend came about when I was on vacation last week. Uh, I was away all week. I did not have a ton of time to kind of revisit her movies and or look at some of the movies I had not seen in her list. Um, so my pick, I don't, I don't feel 100% about. And I, I just want to say that I was in between three movies. Um, I was in between what lies beneath dangerous minds and, uh, Scarface. Um, because those are the movies that were freshest in my mind of in regards to her specifically. Uh, I don't feel that I'm educated enough in her filmography to make this decision, uh, yet. So at the moment, I'm going to go with what lies beneath because that was the that was the just Zemeckis and it was brilliant. And I remember being so surprised by that film. It's a horror. It's a horrifying experience. Uh, a very scary movie. Um, I just remember. I, I mean, again, I haven't seen it in years, but I just remember her performance shook me. Like everything about that movie was frightening. Um, but again, she often she shows she's a better part of like some bad movies. Like Wolf yeah. is a cheesy movie. But I great. like Wolf. Well, you might like it, but it's cheesy, and she's You're great cheesy. in it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, Nicholson chewing scenery. <laughs> I, I, Look, literally I, in some scenes. Yeah, yes. but I, I, I do want to say I, I don't feel that I'm 
educated enough for her filmography at this moment to have made the decision um, based on the movies you guys were referring to and, and my revisiting of her filmography because I was gone all week. Um, so I'm going to go with What Lies Beneath for now. Great choice. Uh, and I may uh, ask you guys in the future if I could revisit her um, just with maybe a different point of view. As I, just don't, I don't feel educated enough right now at the moment to give that opinion. I like this. Well, well props to you for admitting it. And sooner or later, I want to work on something else that we can do, like to maybe not eventually replace the blend game, or maybe do something uh, outside of it, where we replace come up with like the blend game. No, no, we but can't like replace that. no, 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 but like, but like, I want to try something else where we're like we establish like a hall of fame, like some type of hall of fame for people, and like try to debate like who should be in it or what movie like mm. gets them into it, kind of thing, like I a like criteria that. of some sort. I don't know. It's an idea in the back of my head. Yeah, I like maybe we, replace the blend. We game. can't replace oh the blend God. game. I'm, just, well, I'm assuming especially you not have... after we get to, to this week's assignment, but we're not there yet. Um, our good friend Juan, who filled in for us um, or guest hosted with us one time, is obsessed with Michelle Pfeiffer, and he wants me to talk about the fact that like obsessed. He, he's interviewed her a couple of times, and he says he hasn't done anything um, criminal or. Uh, over the line so he's kept his fandom in check you but mean he, he didn't dress up as one of her characters and surprise her he did wear a Catwoman <laughs> outfit to the junket one time and the studio rep was like dude just don't please yeah, don't yeah, well, weirdly uh, enough it wasn't even a michelle pfeiffer junket <laughs> no he just had it on handily um so he wrote this out for us i, I wrote reached out to him i said juan if we're doing pfeiffer blend you got to give us your pick so he writes and i told him i would read this uh michelle pfeiffer is one of the few actresses where you could choose almost any of her performances from her filmography and be able to argue that it is her best. Her work in Fabulous Baker Boys and Batman Returns are undeniable highlights. But for me, her best performance as Frankie in 1991's Frankie and Johnny. Hey. This is her second film. Hey, so Juan and I win. This is her <laughs> second film starring alongside Al Pacino and a role that represents how far she had come as an actress since she first worked with him in Scarface. Frankie is a lonely, bruised waitress who has given up on love, and it's a role that Pfeiffer was not supposed to play. Left her own devices, Hollywood would have gladly just used Pfeiffer as another blonde bombshell. The role of Frankie was originated on stage by Kathy Bates. So when the movie was cast, yeah, I thought that's pretty cool. Um, When the movie was cast, the reaction was that Pfeiffer was not suitable for the role, but her performance, graceful, delicate, and heartbreaking, silences any prejudices, shows her incredible range, and allowed her to bear her soul in an incredibly honest and moving way that her star turns have not allowed. Um, For people who want to go back and see, because he writes at the end, her last monologue in Frankie and Johnny remains her her career best. If you just want to go, go watch the whole movie, but if you want to skip like to YouTube and just watch the final monologue where she talks about whether Frankie is afraid that she's never going to find love and she's going to be alone her whole life, it's devastating. Don't you picture Ron like sitting at a desk by a window and like yeah. staring off into like through the window <laughs> as like a tear rolls down his face and he's got like one of those quills like he's not even writing he's not even typing this out he's got like this giant feathered quill and he's writing this testament to Michelle Pfeiffer fans that was I, I send to honestly. you my thoughts on the filmography of Michelle Pfeiffer I got teary eyed during that that was on this, really well written nice. on this wow. 23rd day of July <laughs> that was hashtag really- Blend of Pfeiffer. The audience he, pick was uh, Batman Returns. Cool. So you know what? Jake wins. What was uh, what was second and third? Do we know? A three-way tie uh, with Frankie and John. Oh, oh, and then a nearly a three-way tie. Wait, Gabe, there's only two. There's only two names there, Gabe. Can't be a three-way tie with two names. God, Fabulous Gabe, Baker Boys 
and Frankie and Johnny. Mm. Uh, I did see some people um, giving What Lies Beneath some love on social media. Yes. Um, and there was another one. Oh, some people said Grease too, but I think they were joking. I think they, can't, they can't be made. Really good. All right. Next week, uh, we will play a blend game. Hashtag Ridley blend. Oh! The films of Sir Ridley Scott. Oh. <laughs> yes. Wow. We're back to directors and we're going with Sir Ridley. I forgot. Well, we, I forgot we haven't done Ridley. Really. Oh, directors man. is my, that, that's and my And the reason that's I use realm. Ridley is because sooner or later we'll use Tony Scott too. So we don't want to oh. use hashtag Scott right now. Hannibal but, uh, it is. Hashtag a, a good year it hashtag is. Hashtag Ridley or hashtag Sir Ridley? I already kinda, know that. Jake's going it. with Exodus. That's, J- that's Jake's. I, I, no, I'm a good year all the way. <laughs> J- J- Jake's doing Exodus. Where can listeners find you on social media, Jake, please? Uh, you can find me at Jake's Takes. Uh, Kevin, <laughs> where are you oh, at this dear week? God. I am going to be at Clarence <laughs> Worley's um, Light Aww. Blue Jeans. Aww, at Clarence Worley's light blue jeans that's my that Twitter photo handle. makes me so it, the, the photo is fantastic <laughs> yeah. it's so great it's, it's great kevin in the shirt and the sunglasses i'm at sean underscore o'connell we are at um real blend at real blend uh, and we have 199 followers we are one away from 200 hopefully by the time you're listening to this it could be you more. if you're it listening could, it could be you and a reminder <laughs> oh wait i should probably follow us and, dr- and just so just, just so everyone knows, for our yes. two hundredth follower, yes. uh, Gabe will show up at your front door yes. with a cake, and you guys will be rewarded by a viewing. Of no, a cake will show up at your front door, and Gabe will jump out of it. I'm going to be wearing iTunes. his Death Star shirt, which he wears every leave single us, week. Leave us a star rating and a uh, oh, Kelly West just yelled "Grease Two Forever," so someone is watching us on the Facebook page and following along the show. Uh, leave us an iTunes review; we will read it next week. If you guys leave us a new one uh we appreciate everybody who is but really it means so much to us guys that like we're 30 episodes into this uh this fun uh experiment and we have you know 34 star ratings and 14 reviews and it doesn't sound like a lot but to us that's 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 amazing yeah it means the world and so um we're glad that you guys really like what we're doing and we will be back next week where we will talk uh more on fallout and we'll talk more about what we saw at comic-con and all the other fun things that you guys want to discuss so thanks so much for tuning in we'll talk to you guys next week Dunkirk. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.